So I want to encourage everybody, just keep this little flyer that's in your bulletin, and then use this to give to somebody, because it has um, you know, just a, a, a description of what we're going to do. Sometimes people, don't, they don't know what, what do you do at church, you know? So it says, we're going to praise and worship, we're going to watch a drama, we're going to hear a, a message um, from Pastor Lau, and then there's going to be egg hunting for children, and then it has directions how to get to our church. So um, use this when you, when you invite, invite your friends and neighbors and your family. Today, um, Pastor Lau and Pastor Da are down in San Diego, and they're holding the revival service there, and then people from L.A. are, are joining them. And so let, let's, let's pray for Pastor Lau and Pastor Da. Lord, we pray for your work that's going on in San Diego and L.A., Father God, for all of Southern California, Father. Lord, that place it needs, they need you so bad, Father God. Lord, I, it just, to me, it just feels like a very corrupt and perverse culture, Father. Lord, I mean, we're all sinners, Lord, but I really feel that those guys need you, Father. Lord, please move in power, Father God, among your churches, Lord. Please, Father God, save your people, Father. Send your spirit down, Father God. Work through the people that you've called, Father God, that they can move in signs and wonders, Lord. Father, we especially pray for our brothers and sisters in San Diego, Lord. Please encourage them. Help fill up their lack, Father God. Whatever they need, you're going to fill it up, Father God. They need more leaders, Father God. You're going to provide leaders, Lord. They need more people to serve, You're going to provide people to serve, Lord. Whatever they need, Father God, you will provide for them. Lord, please protect over those families that are really committed to building your church. Protect them and bless them, Father God. Bless their businesses. Bless their health. Bless their relationships, Lord. Father God, Lord, that they're going to gain and not not lose anything in serving you, Father God. But to serve you is a blessing, Father God. Lord, I pray that they will move in faith, Father God, and learn how to depend on you for every good thing, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, I would like to share with you... Oh, also we have lunch. Today, Pigai is cooking. She owns two Thai restaurants in this area. So today, she's cooking Kao Mudeng, which is the, the... Chinese sausage um, over over rice with some some red sauce and sliced cucumber. So it's it's real Thai food. That it's uh, so it's complimentary. So if you want to stay and fellowship, please do. We're going to after the service, we'll clear out some of the chairs and then we'll set up tables here. So you could, you're welcome to join us for the the, the lunch. Today I want to share with you a message from the book of Haggai. It's in it's the second third to last book in the Bible, something like that. It's towards the end of your Bible. In the old not not your Bible, the Old Testament. Thank you, mom. 
Sons, listen to your mothers. Is that in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai. Yeah, it's the third to last book in the Old Testament. I like this message because it's a reminder to the people that God has already called to build his house and not to become complacent, but to live their lives for him. I want to read with you Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 through 15. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Meaning the temple. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and on the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, son Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to, to the, of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began the work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. So I just want to provide some background and just talk about what, what is going on in, in these verses. And then after we're done with that, then we'll talk about how, what does it mean for us today? Because we live almost 2,500 years since, since then, does it mean anything for us today? But first I want to look to see what's going on here. So um, Haggai was someone who had come back with Zerubbabel and Joshua 
There were the, the governor and the, the high priest. They were living under the, the Persian Empire at that time, under Darius. Darius, uh, he f- sent an army to fight against the Greeks, and they fought the Battle of Marathon. And then his son, Xerxes, sent one million men into Greece, and that's where you get the movie 300, right? They fought against the Spartans at the Hellespont. So this is during that time. The Persian Empire was very powerful. The Jewish people were subjugated to the Persian Empire. They were not their own. Zerubbabel was a governor under the appointment of Darius. Um, they, they, Cyrus had allowed them, Darius's father, had allowed them, the, the, the Jewish people, to return from Babylon to, back, to go back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been destroyed 70 years earlier by King Nebuchadnezzar because the people of, of Judah consistently disobeyed God. They, they didn't listen to his prophets. They, they persisted in doing evil and, and neglecting the covenant, the terms of the covenant between God and, and them. So God allowed the, the after 70 years, he changed the heart of Cyrus to allow the Jewish people to go back. And Zerubbabel and Joshua, these were the first generation of people to go back. Ezra and Nehemiah came about 40 years later. So these people, they came back, and the first thing that they did when they got there was lay the foundations of the temple and rebuild the altar. And everybody was, was well, not everybody, the people that had returned, they were very happy. About 40,000 people returned. It records that about 40,000 people originally returned. And it says that all the people were shouting and, and crying out. They were so happy to come back to Jerusalem, except for the people who had been there 70 years earlier, the old people, and had seen the former Solomon's temple. They cried because it seemed like uh, such a small thing compared to Solomon's temple. But the, the, these people, only about 40,000 people returned. A lot of people stayed back in Babylon. But the people that went back to Jerusalem, they were the people that believed in God's promise. They were the people that made, took a step of faith to return from, from the exile back to, back to build up Jerusalem again. Um, during the 70 years when they were gone, the, some people who remained in the land intermarried with other people who were resettled there and also from the surrounding places. And they, they had a mixture of uh, the Jewish religion and, and other religions. And that's the origins of the Samaritans, right? So that's how you can understand the animosity between the, the Jewish people and the Samaritans in the time of Jesus. You know, during, when Jesus and his apostles went around, they, it was a scandalous thing for Jesus to talk to the Samaritan woman. And when he told the parable of the good Samaritan, he scandalized the people that heard because the one who helped them was a Samaritan. So this is the origins of the Samaritan people. These people, because the Jewish people didn't want to compromise their religion, they said, no, we're not going to allow you to rebuild the temple with us. We're going to do it because God has called us to do it. And because of that, the Samaritans worked against these people. They plotted how to stop the, the Jews from rebuilding Jerusalem. Eventually, they brought so much 
political pressure and threats and everything that they, the Jews stopped building the temple. They had laid the foundation and built up the altar, but they, they didn't carry on in, in completing the temple. Let's read. Now, this is more than 15 years later, about 18 years later. Okay, so Cyrus is gone and his son, King Darius, is the Persian king in his place. Let's read in verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the, through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This, these guys were the two original guys who came. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not come yet for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through, through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ru- ruin? So you, from our point of view, it's very easy to see how the Israelites were wrong, right? Because, of course, oh, we don't, we don't have enough. We, we have too, too much, um, there's too much pressure to prevent us, too much opposition to build, rebuilding the temple. But we have enough to build up our own houses, to make them nice, to panel them with nice cedar. Maybe it looked like the ceiling up here on the inside of their, inside of their houses, you know, paneled with, with wood paneling. And God said, is that right? You use an excuse for not building my house on the one hand, but on the other hand, you, have, you don't make any excuse for building up your own houses. So the Israelites, they just, I don't think they're bad people. They're just like you and me. They have the, the normal human nature, which is tending towards self-interestedness, right? Towards selfishness, towards looking after ourselves. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, but only to put them in a purse that has holes in it. So God reminded the people of his covenant. What was his covenant? He said, if, you care, if you're careful to follow and observe all of these commands that I'm giving you today, you will be blessed. But if you don't, then I'm going to curse you. You're going to live under the curse. Now, interesting thing is that this covenant was not for everybody. It was for God's people. God's people lived under this covenant. Um, so God, God asked the Israelites to think again, to carefully consider what was going on. Why was it they planted a lot? They planted a lot of seed, but they didn't reap much. Why was it? It seemed like everything they earned just went away so easily. Why was it they, they, they ate, but they never were full? They drank, but they, they never were satisfied. Why? Verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. But this is the third time he says that. Go up into the mountains 
and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So God tells the, the Israelites, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the prescription for your situation. Prescription is to build my house and then things are going to go well with you. He wanted the people to make a decision to obey him. Make a decision to put God first, how to please God. Let's look at verse 9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. The King, King James Version says, because of, it says, why? And then, because of mine house, which is, that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. That's the King James Version. I, I like it because it says, and ye run every man unto his own house. The, the idea is that when it comes to their own things, they're busy. They're like running around. They're really productive. They're thinking, oh, I got to get done. It's like, oh, morning now? Okay, let's get to it. Make my house really nice. You know, all of their own affairs, the things that are going on in, in, in their house, they're really attentive to, to those things. Verse 12. So you see, this is a good response. Wow, thank God for Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel and Joshua. They didn't ignore uh, the prophet Haggai, but they, they took what he said to heart. You know, 15 years or 18 years is a long time. I think 18 years ago, maybe our church was just going into 601 Valley. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I don't know. But we used to be down at the Space Needle, and then Karis was, wasn't born, right? She, she was not, not born. So this is like that, that long later, right? So they're, they're, they, they, they're probably pretty, pretty settled. I mean, 18 years is a long time. And then the prophet of God comes to them and says, hey, you guys are not doing right. You know, you need to get into gear again. They're like, oh, you know, we've been around for more than 18 years. We remember the old days. No, but they, they had a soft heart. They were like, okay, yeah, we're going to listen. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, son Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the high, the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began work on the house of the Lord God Almighty. And on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius... So the Israelites wisely decided to obey God. 
How did they, what was the nature of the, their obedience? It says, first, they feared God. They, they listened. They listened to the, the message and they said, you know what? We, we fear God. Even though there's a lot of opposition, even though it's, we've, we've, there's a drought in the land, you know, God's been cursing us because we haven't been living according to him. They didn't have a lot before they had said, oh, you know, now's not the time. Now is not a good time. Didn't you know there's a drought? You know, didn't you know there's a bad economy? Now, now is not the time to be doing that. But God, they obeyed God because they feared him. They feared the Lord. The second thing was that God came and stirred up their spirits. You know, so these are the, are the two elements of their to under, things to understand about their obedience. So now I want to talk about application. How does, how does Haggai chapter 1 verses 1 through 15 apply to us today? You know, it's good to understand what's going on for those people so that we can start to see how, how it applies to us today. We are also a people of promise, right? We are God's people under his covenant, right? God has a, a covenant with us where if we obey him, he's going to bless us. But if we don't obey him, then we're going to be living under a curse, the, the people who returned from Babylon to J- Jerusalem, those 40,000 people, they took a step of faith. They decided to obey God. They said, I'm going to follow God. And you, you know, the, re- the other people, they said, you know, I'm going to follow God here in Babylon. But these, these 40,000, they said, I'm going to follow God. And they took a step of faith to leave their homes after 70 years and go back to Jerusalem. We also took a step of faith when we decided to follow Jesus, right? We said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Whatever God tells, tells me, I, that's what I'm going to do. We also have pressures that come on us. We have pressures from the outside. We have pressures of, like, maybe our economic situation, you know, our financial situation, we have pressures from family things that may be going on. We have pressures from criticisms or things that people say. We also have pressures from within us. We have discouragement. Sometimes we feel very discouraged. Sometimes we feel disappointed. We have the burden of responsibilities. Those are the things from, from within us. Sometimes we're just tired. And so it's easy for us also to give excuses why we shouldn't do things for God, right? We may say, oh, now is not a good time. Now is not the time to build the house of God. I want to talk about what does it mean to build the house of God? What does it mean today? What, is, what can we say the house of God is? Is it here, this building? Is it our church, like, just the number of people and the, the, the things that we do. First Peter says that a church is not a building or organization, but it says each of us are living stones 
being built into a spiritual house. So this is the house of God. Is each each person here. And the kingdom of God is the the part in us that we have given over to Jesus. It's anywhere Jesus is king. That's the kingdom of God. Right? So to expand the kingdom is to expand the territory of people's hearts that is given over to Jesus, the king. And to build the house of God is to build up each person who is a living stone in that house, fitted together and being built up into a spiritual house for the Lord. It's built for his, it is said, uh, for his pleasure and for his glory. That's what Jesus, uh, the prophet Haggai, God spoke through the prophet Haggai. He said that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. But in the, I like the King James Version, it says that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified through it. When we build up the church, build up each person, God's going to be honored. He's going to take pleasure in each person becoming a firm, solid disciple of Jesus Christ and a very strong stone. I want to be a, a stable stone, that can a load-bearing stone in, in, in the house of God. You know, in, in every building, there are some... Some pillars that are like load-bearing pillars, like when you, when you renovate your house, you know, your, the architect may say, you know, you don't want to touch that beam right there. Because if you touch that beam, you know, that part of the house is, is not going to be very stable. It's going to collapse. So that, that, that beam is load-bearing. You know, it's important to the structural integrity of that house. My aim, personal aim, is to be a load-bearing stone in the house of God. And God wants each of us to be strong strong followers of Christ so that the, the house can be built up to be for God's honor and for God's glory. So that's, that's what we talk about, building the house of God today. It may be when you help one another to, to organize the care group. When, when you have care group, you, you make sure that when you, if it's not your house then you help them clean up, help the host clean up afterwards, right? Or bring, bring snacks, maybe cut up some fruits because we want to be healthy, right? Cut up some fruits and, and bring fruits. Just buy some grapes at Safeway be, before you come and, and, and wash them. Buy some, buy some strawberries or something so that the, the host of the house doesn't feel burdened, that they have to open their house and provide the, the snacks as well. These are, these are things that you can do to build up the house of God. You can be there, you can be there to, to, hey, let's make a, a rotation of people to watch after the kids, right? These are things that you can do to build up the house of God. You can participate in a ministry. Some people are here in the ushering ministry. There's, um, you know, Emmy is, when she comes early, she makes use of her time. She makes sure that all of the little pockets on the back of the chairs, they have the right tithing cards and, and welcome cards. That's why you see them. They're all nice. No, you can help by, don't put trash in the back of the chairs. Before, we had those uh, cloth packages, and then you'd see all these like little bumps and stuff down at the bottom because somehow people thought that's a, 
that's a place where you put your gum wrappers. I don't know why. But it, all the time you find all kind of gum wrappers down there. It's not. You can help to build the house of God just in very small ways like this. We have to work together, brothers and sisters. Let's not make this a place where we just pay, pay some money and we come to watch a show. That's, that's not, not, the, not the way the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a family. When you, I, I was, I, my family went on vacation. We went down to Disneyland this, this past week. And when we went to the hotel, we was like, you know, we don't have to wash these towels. We just use them and then put them in the, on the floor and then they, they take them away and they provide new ones for us, right? We don't have to worry about the bed or anything. Oops, my, my daughter Ruth, she's eight months, she threw up on the bed sheets. You know, it's not my problem. Because <laughs> you know, I, I paid money, right? And then somebody else does it. But if it's at home, if I do that, I'm going to get in trouble. If I just, you know, use, use a towel and throw it on the floor, oh, somebody will pick it up, you know? Just let room service do it. If, I, if, if, if my, my baby throws up somewhere, I'll just leave it, you know? Maybe put, put some paper over it or something. No, I'm going to get in trouble, right? Because I'm part of that family. How many of you, if your parents, if your kids are act like that, it's like, hey, um, you know, if your kids put something on the doorknob, it says, room, sir, please service this room. <laughs> you know, it's like, this room needs, needs assistance. You're going to spank them, right? <laughs> you're going to teach them what it means to be part of that family. When you're a part of that family, you, you help out, right? That's what I want you to, to be like. You are part of this church family. We work together to, to build up the church. We build up the church also through evangelism. We don't want to stay a small, a small group, just happy together, right? We want to spread God's word. We want to, more people to come into the family of God. Because God is the, the father of everybody. He's, he's the father that wants the lost sons and daughters to come back into the house, right? We're going to build up the church through missions, you know, our church, there's two senses of the word church. Church is always the people, but it can be the people in the local fellowship that I know, that I have relationship with. And it can also be all the people, the universal church, all the people. So the people in, in the other churches in Seattle, you know, um, City Church, Overlake, you know, Mars Hill, Christian Faith Center, those people are part of the, the universal church. I'm not in the local fellowship with them. I don't know them face to face. I don't know their names and have a relationship with them, but they're part of the church, right? But when we participate in missions, we're helping to build up the, the universal church. We may not know the names of all those people in Thailand or that church that um, Dr. Rie uh, uh, goes to in Japan. We may not know those people, but we're helping them. We want to build them up through, through missions work. Amen? We can build up the church this way. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to give careful thought to your ways. You are a people of the covenant. You are just like the Jewish 
exiles that returned. Give careful thought to your ways. If you look around at, at your life and you see, oh, it seems like not enough. It seems like I'm always so busy. It seems like I've planned it a lot, but I've reaped little. It seems like I buy so many things, but I'm never happy. It seems like I, I wear all these things, but I f- never feel that, that, you know, happy in it. Why? Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. God, later, about 50 years, 60 years later, the prophet Malachi spoke to the same group of exiles. He said, Bring the full tithe into my house, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, and see if I do not open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you with with more than enough. See, even here in, in Haggai, God's telling the people there's a drought in the land because you're under a curse. Give careful thought to your ways. Are you going to wait until things are better and then you're going to serve God? Or are you going to change your mind and serve God now? God wants you to make a decision. He wants you to live under the terms of the cov- his covenant with you. Let's look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 again. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Now, let's look at Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. Let's read this, 1 through 3. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what is not satisfied? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight. In the richest fare, give an ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. God says, return to me, listen to me. Give careful thought to your ways. I want to bless you under the covenant that I have with you. But you need to return to me. You need to, why spend Money on what is not bread, and your labor on what is not satisfied. He's telling Haggai told the people, you planted a lot, but have harvest reaped little. You drink, but don't have your fill. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You wear clothes, but you're not warm. True life does not come from the abundance of a man's possessions. That's what Jesus said. You know, a lot of times we get like, you know, version, version one, 
version 1.1, version 1.2, version 2.1, you know? And we say, I'm out of date. You know, my phone has the old OS. Got to buy a new one. As if that's going to make you happy. But it's not. Getting an upgrade on your software is not going to make you happy. You know, getting a faster processor is not going to make you happy. You know, a lot of times we, we feel that, man, that's what I really want. And it says, because mine house is a waste, and each of ye runs to his own, unto his own house. It's, we're so busy going around, like, what do I got to get next? You know, what's that next thing that I got to get? When God says, hey, give careful thought to your ways. Come, go up to Tyre and Sidon. Buy cedar logs. They're going to send them down to the sea, to Joppa, and carry them overland to Jerusalem and build them up. Big cedar logs to build the temple of my, of, for, for God. That's what God says. He says, build my house. But today we know it's each person, right? A living stone. I want to build you up. I want to build more people up. I want to bring more stones into the house of God to build it up for his pleasure and for his glory. That's what I'm going to be busy with. And then God is going to provide me with all good things. Look in Matthew 6, verses 6. I mean, chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. Sorry, let's look at 31. 31 to 33. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Brothers and sisters, don't look for heaven here on earth. I mean, we can start to live under God's blessing. And we can experience his blessing, and we can experience, we, 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 we start to live in heaven in, in that sense. But don't look for your reward here on earth. Because the Bible consistently says, look for your reward in heaven. It says, do not store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. When we go to heaven, it's going to be awesome. When I was down in, in Disneyland, I was like, wow, these guys are really good because they do everything to make it so really like magical, right? The minute you come through those gates into you know, Disneyland, everything is, is gleaming. They, they, I think I, I saw the guy early in the morning, he was wiping down all the garbage bins because you don't find any like 
stains or anything on any of the garbage bins. There's no, there's no like leaves under the trees. They're all picked up. All of the grass is perfectly manicured. All the trees are, are just, are just awesome. It was, it was really great. But then I thought, you know, heaven is going to be so much more beautiful than this. Infinitely more beautiful than this. More than I can imagine. I can't comprehend it. It's going to be like switching from, from watching black and white, old black and white TV, going to like Blu-ray. You're going to be like, whoa! It's like, it's like, are they both TV? It's like, this is old black and white, you know, static, analog, you know, antenna. And then this Blu-ray, Blu-ray. you're like, whoa! It's amazing! That's what heaven is going to be like. All the pleasures you see here on earth is like static black and white TV. It's nothing. When you go to heaven, you're going to be blown away. You're going to, whoa, this is awesome. This is what I've been waiting for. This is, this is what I should have been busy about during my time on earth. These things are what I should have been concerned about. Why did I spend all my time running after those, those little things, those temporary things that one day will be thrown in the trash can? This is what I want. Paul, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And now... I'm ready to receive the crown, right? The crown, the reward from his, his reward from Jesus. Brothers and sisters, be like that. When you, anybody who runs a race, has anybody run like long distance cross country before? Anybody run cross country like, like you... I, I, I ran cross country because I don't have a lot of, I'm not very dexterous, so I can't hand, handle a ball very well, but I can run. <laughs> At least I can do that. You don't have to like bounce anything or, or throw anything in, in a certain way. All you have to do is run. So I could handle that. So I ran cross country. And, you know, you have to practice you, and to run. The only way you can get better at running is to run. Run more. And then, then you get better at running. That's the only way. You can't do it by like, I mean, there's a little bit of thing about like technique and stuff, but it's not a whole lot. It's just basically running. You know, you just got to run. And then once you start the race, once you start the race, all you got to do is run. <laughs> right? When you're in the middle of the race, you can't say, wait, timeout. Can we call a timeout? You know? I want to. I want to. I want to rest a little bit. You, there's no. There's no timeouts. You just run. Now is the time for running. And so when when you're running like one of those races, like a five mile race or something, like a ten kilometer race, you just gotta keep running. And your body says, "Okay, okay, that's enough. We're tired. <laughs> you know, let's just stop a little bit, and catch our breath." You don't want to do that because then you're, you're not going to win the race. The, only, the people who win the race 
are the people who say, no, got to keep on running. Got to keep on running. Got to keep on running until past the finish line. You don't need to run anymore. You don't need to run anymore because you passed the finish line. Brothers and sisters, we are running a race. We are in the race now. Now is the time to run. Don't wait until you pass the finish line and say, oh, I still got some energy left. I'm going to run some more because it's not going to be any use. The time to run is during the race. The time to serve God is here in this life on earth. It's not, not in heaven. I mean, I'm sure he's going to have things for us to do. But it's different. It's different. He wants your obedience now. He wants you to delight in him. It says, in, I like this psalm, it says, Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He's going to make you happy. That's why we prayed for the brothers and sisters in San Diego. I know they're working so hard because they don't have a benefit of you and me. They're, they're really just pretty new believers, and they're, they're having to work very hard to build a church from scratch. We try to help, help them. But I just prayed that God's going to show them that they're not going to lose anything, that they're going, God's going to give them more than they give up. And I wanted to be the same with you. Sometimes you may think, you know, I'm sacrificing too much. You know, I'm giving up too much. I'm losing too much. But actually, God blesses us. God blesses us. We have to remind ourselves. God blesses us. Test him. Test him in this. Brothers and sisters, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord is going to stir you up to build his house, just like it stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the spirit of Joshua, and the whole remnant of the people. Stir up your spirit because you fear the Lord. You heard the message of the Lord and you feared the Lord. You started to obey him. And then his spirit is going to come and it's going to stir you up. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him. We need to respond to him if he convicts us. I, Pastor Kenny, can we sing that song? Um, there's a song, it's just, it's very simple, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but the King James Version. Some of you may know it already. Let this be, be your prayer, okay? This is altar call time. Let's use this time to tell the Lord that we are going to seek first his kingdom and then trust him that he's going to give us all, all things that we need. If you want to make that decision to live for Jesus, to build his house, I encourage you to please stand up. Stand up.
We want to follow you, Lord. Let's sing this song together. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be Father God, to seek first your kingdom and not not our own kingdom, Lord. Father God, help us to consider our ways, to consider our ways, what's going on in our life, and are we going to make a decision to build your house? You spoke a message to us, Lord. We're going to respond to you. We're going to listen to you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your covenant of blessing. Thank you that you watch over your people. Lord, send your spirit down to stir us up, to strengthen our hearts, to obey you, to desire you. Father God, speak to each person, Lord. Tell them what you want them to do, who you want them to reach out to, Father God. Tell them what you want them to do, Lord. I pray that each person will have a real understanding of your call in their life. And they're going to live holy for that call and not get distracted. Yes, Lord. Lord, some of them you've called to be pastors, teachers, church planters, Lord. You've called them to be disciple makers. You've called them to be servants in the house of the God, of your your house, Lord. Some of them, Father God, you've called to raise up godly children. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your calling. Thank you, Father God. If anybody doesn't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity really quick. Living in a relationship with Jesus is a blessing to you. If you feel that you've sown a lot of seed, but you haven't reaped much, if you ate a lot, but you still feel like you're not satisfied, if you feel like you drunk a lot, but you've not had your fill. If you feel like you've put on clothes, but you're not warm. God, he says, come to me, all you who are thirsty. 
all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you want to have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't mean going to Bible school. It doesn't mean finishing reading the Bible. It doesn't mean waiting until you quit smoking or or doing whatever. All it means is you making a disciple, a decision to turn around now. And from now on, you're going to change the path of your life. You're going to start following Jesus. If you want to do that, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. Please help me, Lord. Teach me. Guide me. Send your Holy Spirit to fill me. Take over my life. I give it to you. Because I'm tired of running around trying to make myself happy. I need you, Lord. I need your peace. I need the food that comes from you. And the drink that comes from you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And and if you if you decided to become a Christian today, if you weren't sure before, if you weren't sure if you were Christian or you you know you weren't a Christian before and you decided to, please come up and talk to me later, even after the service sermon or during during the lunch. Okay? Brothers and sisters, God bless you. You are the people of the covenant. Walk under the covenant in the right way. God's going to keep you and bless you. Amen. My people, I want to stir you up. I want to stir you up. I want to stir you up. Will you let me stir you up? Will you let my spirit stir you up? I want to stir you up. I want to speak to you. There's things that I have for you. For my kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and it shall not pass away. Oh, my people, allow me to stir you up. Stir you up for the eternal things. For these things are passing away. These things are passing away. But as you allow me to stir you up, you shall be reaping things for the eternal kingdom. I have much for each one of you to do. Every single person, there's a call on your life and there's an assignment. But will you let me stir you up? I am speaking to you. I am speaking to you. Stir up. Stir up. Come alive. Quicken. 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 Let your spirit be quickened. Let it be stirred. 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 Lord, we need more of your fire inside of us, Lord. We want to be on fire for you, Lord. Lord, we fan the flames in our hearts. Lord, we fan the flames. We want to be on fire for you. Lord, we want to be excited for you. Lord, it comes from your spirit. It can't come from us, Lord. Lord, come in. More of you, Lord. 
Lord, fill your people. Spirit, come down. Fill your people now. Fill them up. The hearts that are turned to you that are open right now. Lord, come fill them. Fill them, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> fill them, Lord. Fill your people. Turn us to you, Father God. Turn us to you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, church. Let's love and let's walk in love and in unity. Amen. Let's love one another. The Bible says that when we walk in love, there's, there's no law against that. When we walk in, in the Spirit, He's going to help us to walk in love. If you're unsure of what to do in your life, how to obey God, just ask Him to help you love people more. It's going to come naturally. Amen. Let's walk in love. Amen. Okay. God bless you. God bless you.